This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, moving from success to significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Hello and welcome to Eternal Leadership. And today we have a great friend of mine back on the show, Dean Nywolny. Dean, welcome back to Eternal Leadership. Hey, John. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I first got to know Dean when I traveled down to Dallas to go through the intensive with halftime. And that was one of the most powerful two days I ever spent. It was it was literally, it was transformative, which I mean, it was permanently um, changing and equipping for me and set me on the path that I'm on now, Dean. And, and we were just catching up before we got started. Everything that's been going on and you and your team there at halftime have been a huge part of that. And uh, for uh, everybody that's listening, go back and listen to the interview that we did with Dean. Oh my goodness, it was uh, about two years ago. I would say. Yeah, we've been, uh, man, we've been, uh, we've been at this a while, but it was all about, you know, find your passion, find your calling. It's episode 019. So you can go to eternalleadership.com forward slash 019 and you can listen to uh, what Dean had to say. And today though, uh, I know you've been working hard on uh, a new book. Your book is launching right now and it's about trading up and it's not just about making money it's about making a difference and man that's what we're all about here it's all about you know how do we create a legacy how do how do we live our life so the use of our life outlives our life and i think that's something as believers and we're and we're and we're looking at you know a kingdom focus what does that look like how do we do that mm. and um i know in the traditional world right a lot of it's focused on well, I need to, it, it's like a dependent event. I need to be successful and make money, then I can. Mm. And uh, we both know that that's actually not the case, isn't it, Dean? That's true, very true. <laughs> so, you know, as we get started, I'd love for you to just, uh, you know, share a little bit about your background. Uh, you spent a lot of time on Wall Street, had an incredible, you know, business career before you're doing what you're doing now, just so people can get to know you a little bit and then we can dive in. Sure, sure. I grew up in, in central Wisconsin in a, a small town called Wausau, Wisconsin. And uh, my dream when I was a young man was to make as much money as I possibly could because I thought, well, if I make money and accumulate possessions, that's really what I was supposed to do. That's what would bring me joy, I thought. So I focused on that and I thought, well, the best place to, for me to go and make money it would be the financial services world. So I spent 23 years there, John, just focusing on really myself and trying to build up net worth and accumulate things. And in 1999, I heard this guy, Bob Buford, get yeah. interviewed. <laughs> and Bob, as you are well aware, is the author of Halftime. Uh, where I work, and uh, Bob talked about this idea of going from success to significance, and I thought at that time, well, that's great for Bob and all his friends, but for me, it's still about me in accumulating things for myself. So that was really how I, I started my life. It, it was such a focus on myself, which now I, I cringe when I think about it. But really, hearing Bob and then going through the halftime program, and then ultimately through just God's 
divine grace, ending up as the CEO of halftime, uh, you know, you just couldn't script it. If when I talk to my friends from years ago, they're like, we cannot believe that you're actually the CEO of a Christian organization, but God had plans for my life, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if you go back to that point, right. I mean, um, in a lot, you know, what you had doing, and I know it, it was a lot of work over 20, 30 year career, um, you know, to make this, you know, this, this change to, you call it trading up, man, it was a, it was a hard road and you work with a lot of people out there across the spectrum, right? You know, we have listeners that have been successful in business and financially, we have a lot of listeners that are you know, just trying to get their feet under them and, and build something, get some stability financially. And, uh, but the focus is, you know, how do I do something that actually makes a difference? Um, you know, it's uh, one of my uh, clients, one of my coaching clients, and he had this amazing uh, man that he hired and he'd been there about a year and had made just a, a, a huge impact in the company. And, uh, he told my friend, he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, giving you my letter. I'm, I'm going to leave. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, what, you know, what's going on, man, we love you. You know, you're a great part for the culture. He goes, yeah, I'm just not making a big enough impact. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so my friend asked him, he goes, well, what, well, what kind of impact do you want to make? He goes, I don't know. I'm just, I just know that I'm not doing it. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like that right now, right, Dean, that yeah. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact, but I don't even know what it looks like or how to do it. So, you know, yeah. when you think about that, what are, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, if I can make a comment there, it's interesting. Gallup did a poll not too long ago. And in that poll, 20%, one in five people believe that they are doing something that really doesn't matter. One in five. One in five, only, only 20%, let me back that up, only 20% feel they're doing something that matters. Mm. 80% feel that they're, they're doing something that doesn't matter. So they're craving this sense of significance. Yeah. And uh, looking at uh, also another study Harvard did, which is interesting, the Harvard study said that in this group of folks, 55 to 70 years old, they would switch careers if they could find something that had more meaning and purpose. So there is this, there's this craving, there's this burning desire, as you already alluded to, John, to live a life of purpose, to make a difference, to be significant. And when you read the Bible in Ephesians 2.10, and it says, yeah. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared beforehand. It doesn't say the wealthy, doesn't say the poor. I mean, that verse is for everyone. So God puts, in, I, in my opinion, God puts on our heart this desire to be significant, this desire to be different, this desire to leave a legacy and make an impact. Well, you know, and as I have thought and kind of journaled and meditated on that verse, you know, something that God spoke to me is, if I am Christ's workmanship, which means that he created me, Right. And he did. Right. And uh, one of my friends always says, God, don't make no junk. (laughs) Right. So if we're created perfectly and then we do have that desire, right. Our first interview was like, if you want to find your calling, you got to tap into your passions. 
What are those things that you're passionate about? And what if we just accepted that, that, you know, those works that God's prepared for us, that he's revealing them to us through what just turns us on and gets our juice flowing and lights us up and that we already are prepared. We've been created to do that. We don't need another dependent event. We don't have to have something in place And I think, you know, one of the things that you talk about is how do you kind of start with that end in mind? How do you start now, wherever your circumstances are today, but start thinking about what that is, that that narrative that you want to write that's different six months, a year, two years down the road. So how do people start to maybe, you know, start to get – an idea of that direction, that vision, that, you know, those outcomes that they want to create instead of being stuck in the present. Yeah, I think you really do always have to begin with the end in mind. And uh, I remember when I went through the Halftime Institute program, they did an exercise called the 80th birthday party. Oh, yeah. You know, the 80th birthday party and where you're, where you're invited by a spouse or a friend to your 80th birthday, you're in a restaurant a hundred of your closest friends, family, and business associates walk up to a microphone at the front of the room to answer one question. And that is beyond your marriage, family, and friends, the most significant contribution you made to humanity or the kingdom is. And I'll never forget when I went through that exercise, I thought to myself, if my friends and family and business associates walked up to that microphone, I have no idea what they would say. They would say, well, he's pretty focused on himself. He's somewhat successful, but any impact on humanity, I don't, I don't think he, he's done a whole lot for humanity. So what, what that caused me to do to, in, in answering your question is you got to take time to really get a better understanding of yourself. God has given us strengths and he's given us spiritual gifts and he's given us passions. And if we don't take the time to really understand what those are, Rick Warren said, society society will be missing out on our contribution. So it's really taking the time to get a better understanding of who we are, what your strengths, gifts, and passions passions are. And, And most of us are type A personalities. We're so busy that we really don't take the time to understand ourselves well. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, to uh, when I went through that process, it, it felt a little kind of counterintuitive to that in order to speed up toward where I wanted to go, I had to slow down mm-hmm. and actually understand some of these things. And one of the things that I became aware of is that I don't have to be different to make a difference. Because a lot of us, like, uh, well, I can speak for myself. You get caught up in comparing. Yeah. I'm comparing myself to other people that are my age that have either developed huge ministries, started mega churches. They're incredibly successful in business. And you start comparing the differences like, well, I don't know if I could do what they did. Right. I'm, or there's somebody else you hear them, you know, they're just the average person. You hear them speak. You're like, Oh my gosh, that, that was, I had goosebumps. Mm. All of a sudden when I get stuck in comparison, I'm like, I'm not different enough to make a difference. And then if you get back to what Ephesians 2.10 is, that's so, that's not how God sees me. And, and I remember, I'll never forget this. 
um, as I was going through this process and I was coaching with Jeff Spatafora, who we both know very well. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this exact same subject. And I'm like, you know what I got to, what I said to Jeff was, I need to figure out how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. And Jeff leaned forward and he looked at me, he goes, John, I think you need to ask that question differently. He goes, why don't you ask yourself how God wired you? And then you can figure out what he wired you for. Yeah. And I got to tell you, what you're talking about now, Dean, was one of the most powerful, transformative pieces of my, my whole journey. It's something when I'm working with my clients, we spend a lot of time in. And, you know, what, I, what I'd love to ask you, because I know you, this is something you work with, with leaders every day in this area, as people are starting to develop that awareness of their strengths, their mm-hmm. gifts, their passions, right? Their mm-hmm. talents, right? A talent is just something you're naturally good at. Um, wh- what is, what, what is, what kind of comes next? I've started to develop this awareness. How do I start putting that together to, to help me with what's next? Well, you've already touched on it. <clears throat> we, there's two things that we try to have folks focus on. One's called the head journey. Mm. One's called the heart journey. Yeah. So when you're going through this season, and I like to call this season for myself the smoldering discontent season because that's what it was for me. We're type A personalities. We know where we want to go. But as Jeff shared with you, John, you really have to take time to just stop, get in solitude, and listen to the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is God saying to you? How does God want to use your gifts and talents and abilities? I'll give you a perfect example. When I was going through this season of life, I had all these ideas and plans that I wanted to do with the second half of my life, if you will. But it was only when I started sitting in solitude really listening to the Lord. And the Lord was telling me, Dean, you need to pray for your spouse. Keep praying for Lisa. And I started praying for Lisa every day. Mm. And Lisa at 3.30 in the morning woke up and had a dream. And she was the one who said, I had the strangest dream. I just had a dream that you're going to be named the CEO of Halftime and we're moving to Dallas, Texas from Chicago. And I looked at her and said, you got to be kidding me. And she said, I'm telling you, that is the dream I just had. So the reason I mention all that, John, is that the head and heart journey is important, but the heart journey is really important. And what, what, so, you know, people listening, right? And I know, you know, in your book, and I love that how you've laid this out because you're talking about that self-awareness and that journey. What does that, that heart journey look like for people? Yeah. The people that are like, yeah, you just said smoldering discontent. You just described me. I, and <laughs> I, I need to move past this, this place because this season is kind of not fun. Well, uh, there's a few things that you absolutely should do, in my opinion, and that is the solitude time is critical. You need to spend one-on-one time with the Lord and listen to the Lord. That's really important. You want to also identify folks that you can sit down with and we like to call this your board of directors, folks that know you, understand you, will speak truth to you, and will tell you things that you may not want to hear. Uh, it's critically important to have those types of folks that you can go to and just say, this is what I'm feeling. This is, this is what's stirring in my heart. 
But in my opinion, probably one of the most important pieces to the puzzle is that you need to spend time with someone who has already gone through this program or down this, uh, you know, through this journey. And that would be someone like a halftime certified coach. And the reason I'm mentioning the halftime certified coach is mainly because that person has gone on this journey. They understand what you're going through. They know the ups and downs of what you're going to be faced with. So why not spend time with someone like that that can guide you and encourage you and hold you accountable? I think it's really important. You mentioned Jeff Spadafora. Jeff Spadafora was my coach. And without Jeff, there is no way that I would be here because I would have given up two or three months into it. Jeff was there to encourage me, guide me, keep me between the guardrails, and help me to stay focused on the ultimate target. And that's to find my Ephesians 2.10 calling, which ended up being halftime. And I, you know, you said something that's super important. You said two to three months into it. Uh, and I, th- you know, wh- wh- when we're talking about finding our calling and actually thinking about embracing, you know, who we are, who, who are actually who God created us to be, which means letting go of some of the, um, I think in all of our self, in our identity, there, mm-hmm. there's lies in there that we've accepted as truths, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's limiting beliefs that we have. We have experience of, of you know, other things people have sown into us. We have fe- different fears of success or scarcity or poverty or wealth. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And what we're talking about doing is moving to a different place. And to get to a different place, the reason we're not there now is because we haven't made the changes that we need. Mm-hmm. And I'm get, I know that I worked with Jeff for about a year. And when I work now with clients, uh, when we're doing this kind of work or I'm working with a company and the culture needs to be you know, transformed, I don't hire, I don't, I will not do a contract with people for three or six months because I know that this kind of work needs a consistent focus for a long period of time and the results are outstanding, but it's not like you can just, you know, get some information and then just go flip a switch. It's, it's a journey, John, and you know this because you're a coach and, uh, and we talk about this in trade up that very rarely can someone figure this out on their own? And very rarely is it a short period of time to figure it out. It is a process. It is a journey. As one's going through this season of smoldering content and trying to figure out what's next for them, there are so many different questions that need to be processed. One is, do I leave the marketplace and go Mm. into the nonprofit or the ministry? The reality is 60% of men and women who go through the halftime program stay right where they're at. They just make a little course correction. Do I go join another organization? Do I start an organization? Where is my spouse on this journey? Where are my kids? Where's my faith? Where's my health? So there, there is a lot that goes into trying to figure out what the next season looks like. So Michael Jordan, Phil Mickelson, name the person. They all have coaches. They're pretty good at what they do, yeah. but they still have coaches that encourage them and hold them accountable. You know, when you, as you think of, you know, this, this transition, right, kind of, it, it's about, you know, staying, if you can stay focused on where you want to get to, you talked about low-cost probes, right? It's easy to, 
for me, especially as an entrepreneur, to kind of drift off course because something looks exciting in the moment. It pulls me this way. Or there's also all these habits that I've developed over 50 years of life that tend to keep me in one place. You know, as people start to kind of break out and move toward, you know, that you talked about your 80th birthday. I, and I loved that exercise. And, I, and I've gotten in touch with what is that contribution that without even somebody writing, reading what I write on my paper. You know, I did that um, before I'd gone down. I wrote my epitaph. Hmm. And what I wrote was, this is what I would want Donna to say, my wife. This hmm. is what I would want my kids to say and my closest friends. And you know what? I have not shared that with, with anybody because hmm. I don't want them to know what I'm hoping that they say. My focus is to live my life in such a way that that is what they say when that day comes. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, this is, you know, these are some, this is some sometimes for, this is some deep work, some big, you know, big thoughts, right? I Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, just to that point, if I can, I think when, folks get to this season, they feel like I have to go and do something grandiose and huge yeah. and I got to leave everything I've been doing and I got to move to Africa. And you know, that's, that's the fear of everyone going through halftime. They're like, I, I'm going to move to Africa. Now that does happen once in a while, but you, we have, for instance, Graham power from Cape town, South Africa, read the oh, book yeah. in 1998 he decided that his passion was to get groups of people together to pray. And now you know what it is? It's the global day of prayer with 300 million people praying every year. And that was started by one man in Cape Town, South Africa. On the flip side, there's Sandy Griffith in Houston, Texas, whose passion is to rock babies of drug addicted mothers. And that's what she does every day. She goes in and loves on them and cradles them and, 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 and takes care of them. I would argue that God looks at both of those equally the same, right? It's whatever your unique calling is. And what, what, what we find also is that many folks will go through the program or they'll read the book Trade Up and they'll say, well, I'm not passionate about anything. Well, I would argue everyone's passionate about something. And we encourage people to read the USA Today and, and look for what makes you mad, sad, or glad. And as a quick side story to that, <laughs> we, we had a gentleman who did that, and he said to me, Dean, this doesn't work. He goes, because all I did was read the sports section the whole time. Well, you know what, John? His passion is sports, and he started a ministry in the inner city for kids around sports. That is awesome. And you know what? We've had Diane Patterson, who I met through Halftime Institute. Her passion, having been in business, was to mentor young professional women because she felt that she, she had so many amazing mentors in her life and found other people kind of didn't have some of, the, 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 some of this goodness that was sewed into her. And so she started a, a low-cost probe. Mm-hmm. just mentoring small groups and then it grew and it grew. And now she has millions of people in her community and on her email list. So you're right. You, you kind of find that one passion or, and I know there's other people too, like you talked about 60% of the people. Imagine if, if you're listening to this today and you're, and you're in that place of discontent and you can now just start looking at what you're doing differently because you know why you're doing it. 
You know what it's doing for you. You know where this fits into God's plan with your life. And how do you like to just go and you come to that realization that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Instead of driving in on Monday morning stressed out, you're driving in Monday morning to that exact same place, but you're totally fired up. And that's what happens, isn't it, Dean? Yeah, that is what happened. And, and I go back to what I said at the beginning, that the Gallup poll is so incredible to me when you think that four out of five people every day put on their suits, their dresses, and go into work, and they're just feeling, I'm going into work, and it has absolutely no meaning. And this idea of, of identifying your Ephesians 2.10 calling, figuring out what God's sweet spot for you is, will bring you joy, impact, and balance. And what I see in a lot of cases is that people are out there just going through day-to-day, going through the, you know, the rigmarole of, of whatever comes up each day, but they aren't really focused and don't have that joy, impact, and balance that they could have. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about, you know, kind of starting with that end in mind. To kind of go that, you really have to, you know, develop that self-awareness, who God created us to be, um, you know, really pursuing that time alone with God. And, you know, as I'm kind of in that place and I'm really kind of trying to put all these pieces together and you were spending that alone time in journaling, Dean, was there any advice you'd give to people as they're kind of maybe they've gone through part of this and they're just really thinking about how do I really hear what God has for me next? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Well, uh, it's going to sound self-serving, but I'd read the book trade up because we talk about that. I'd also read the book halftime. And my encouragement would be that you absolutely have to be purposeful. Uh, It's just not going to happen by just sitting around and doing nothing it's important that you're purposeful to really spend time understanding who you are. We spend the whole first day of the Halftime Institute around what we call archaeology. What are you good at? How has God wired you at the core? Who are you? And I remember when I was going through this uh, journey, uh, or I was on this journey, I spent a lot of time really getting a better understanding of who I, who I am and how God has wired me. So I think it's just critically important that you spend time doing that. And only until you really get a good idea of who you are will you be able to put together a plan and a focus going forward. So we spend a lot of time on that, John, really helping one understand how God has wired them at the core, what they're good at, what they're passionate about. So if you're in this season of smoldering discontent, I would encourage you to just stop, take the time to really have a better understanding of yourself. Start with the halftime book and the trade-up book. It's a great starter. And if you find that you, you really resonate with it, then I'd reach out and identify a coach who can help guide you through the process. Yeah, and what, and what this can lead to, and, and this is, I know, both of our passion, it's about how do we as individuals have massive kingdom impact. You know, one of the things that really was on my heart as I was recovering from my accident and spent two years going through what I went through was this whole notion about discipling nations and how does one, and I'm like, how does one person honestly with my background even have any kind of impact? 
you know, yeah. something big, right? We we're talking like you have all these limiting beliefs that talk in, you know, that yeah. tuck in there. And here's what God revealed to me. He started, and this is part, part of our vision, is how do we touch a million lives in the next two years? And I, I started having all these dreams and these it, millions started coming up everywhere. And I realized, you know what? It's, a, it's about touching a million people. Well, how does one person do that? My first thought was one person doesn't do that. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And then God, as I was spending that time alone and praying and journaling, God showed me exactly what that looked like. And that's where, for our company, what we're doing, Project 100 was born. And I invite anybody to be a part of this. But think about this. One person can touch in a positive way 100 lives, mm-hmm. right? That is within every single one of our uh, abilities to do right now. And imagine if we touch 100 lives in a way that they can touch 100 lives, that's 10,000 people. Mm-hmm. And one of those 10,000 people over the next year or two each touched 100 lives in a positive way. Now you've touched a million people and think about whatever, you know, what Dean's talking about, right? In an area, you touch them in a positive way in an area that connects to your passion, like the sports ministry or whether it's mentorship or whatever it happens to be. Now, all of a sudden you are part, you are a change agent out there changing families, organizations, communities, states, and yes, even nations. And that is how I believe that as the body of Christ, as an individual partnering with these works that God has prepared beforehand for us, and we've been perfectly prepared to do this, we can have, we can live our life so the use of our life does outlive our life. And that 80th birthday, those people saying, you know what, here's what I know today, Dean, if that, if that happened in the near future and everybody and I could come and step up to a microphone and I talked about your significant contribution, mm-hmm. um, man, it would be an easy conversation for me to share the influence, the impact that you've had in my life. And I know in hundreds and thousands of other people who have touched, uh, I'll guarantee you right now your life has touched millions of people. Mm-hmm. And man, that that is exciting because there's, Let's just, you know, for you and I, right, we've done certain things, but we're not that special and unique that would preclude somebody else from also stepping into something like that, don't you think? I completely agree. And thank you, by the way, for, for those comments. That's very kind of you. I, I think a lot about Bob Buford, who wrote the book, mm. you know, Peter Drucker encouraged Bob in 1995 to write a book about his life. And, and Bob wrote this book called Halftime, Going from Success to Significance. Well, Bob had no idea that that book would do what it has done. And I think at times we, we limit the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit can have in our lives. Mm. Because if the Holy Spirit gives us an assignment, the Holy Spirit is going to supercharge it, in my opinion, and do whatever he wants to do with it. Now, in Bob's case, Bob writes this book just with no uh, agenda, quite honestly. And look at now, the book has sold over a million copies and it's all over the world. And I, I would argue that you can go any place around the world and halftime's kind of its own language. They'll say, well, you're a halftimer or you're yeah. in halftime, right? But that's not Bob. That's the Holy Spirit that has done that through Bob. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, well your book is called um, Trade Up. It's on amazon.com. Uh, where else can people go to connect to you, what you're doing, halftime, uh, Dean? 
Yeah, you can obviously log on to halftime.org or go to tradeupbook.com and you can reach us through both of those. Awesome. Now, you know, just as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, people have been listening in on this conversation, Dean, what are just some final thoughts you'd like to leave with folks? Yeah, I would just say that God has put on our heart, each and every one of us, this desire to be significant, this desire to leave an impact, this desire to, to leave a legacy. And my encouragement for all of us, no matter what you're doing, if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a CEO of an organization, whatever it is, take the time to really get a clear understanding of what God wants to do through you and really take the time to get a clear understanding of your Ephesians 2.10 calling. Because if you do, you will have joy, impact, and balance. And it's so awesome being in his sweet spot. Thank you for sharing that. And I would also really encourage, I know a lot of our listeners, a lot of our audience, have, have you've given them a, a copy of the book Halftime or they've read it you know, take the opportunity, go to halftime.org and schedule a time to just have a conversation with a halftime coach. There's, and uh, the people you have on your team, Dean, the folks you've developed that are just amazing at guiding people through this process. Uh, that's something just people need to do. Um, I love John Maxwell was my pastor, if you're familiar with John, and I used to love something he said, right? Do something and something will happen. <laughs> so here's what I'm encouraging the people to do is do something in the area of moving forward into that life that you know that you were meant to live um, that, that's right in front of you right now. Maybe you're not there yet and you want to move into that. Uh, a lot of my clients and, you know, they hire me and one of their goals is they want to live a life fully alive. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what that looks like. They can't really define it. They just know that that's not where they're at. So if you, if you know that that's not where you're at, you know, um, I would just really encourage you to plug in. For me, my relationship with you, um, the entire team there at halftime has been life-changing. I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, and so appreciate what you've done because it was through um, you being available uh, sowing into my life that has allowed my wife and I and our family and what we're doing to our message has now been heard by millions literally um, uh, around the world and opportunities are opening up for us that are beyond anything I ever imagined three years ago when we started this journey and man every day I just wake up jumping out of bed excited and I used to wake up and wonder how many times I could hit the snooze button before I had to get out of bed to drag myself down to my car and drive into that. I was one of those 80% there, <laughs> Dean. <laughs> <laughs> me, too, me too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I can say to that, John, is, uh, you know, Bob used to say, yay God. And that's yeah. saying to you, I mean, you, you, your ministry is having an incredible impact. So yay God. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book 
halftime, moving from success to significance. And in the more than 20 years since then, more than three quarters of a million copies have been sold. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s, and it's now touching the lives of both Gen Xers who are in that midlife season asking, is this all there is? As well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read it, if you have any questions, you can have a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>